There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into the podcast. How we thank the Lord for each of you listening. Thank you for our homeschoolers, our chapel services, and each of you that listen that way. And then also thankful for those of you that just sit at home and listen, those of you that tune in each and every week, the downloads. And I know we're approaching 20,000 downloads, and that's not all the listeners. If you listen direct, if you listen to the uh, embedded player or a built-in player through Buzzsprout or through the website, that does not count as a download. So we're close to 20,000 downloads. We thank the Lord. Never imagined we'd get that far. Uh, but yet we've had folks listen. We've had a few podcasts that have had over 150 downloads now. And we've had some that uh, have gone well over 75, 80, 85. And we just thank the Lord for that. We just didn't imagine that many folks would be interested in listening to doctrinal teaching, doctrinal instruction. And so we thank you. So let folks know about the podcast, if you would. And I realize we're a little bit tedious here in Job. We're doing some things that uh, others may even stick their noses up at and say, well, he's lost his mind. But again, just bring the word of God, prove those things, uh, get rid of the old mindset, get rid of the uh, the mindset of everything's allegory and everything's typology. Let's just look at the literal words of what God says. I do want to say once again, uh, I'm letting folks know about the Blessed Hope Baptist Printing Ministry, and that's down in Lumberton, Mississippi. That's the Blessed Hope Baptist Church, and if you consider supporting them, try to be a help. They spend $1,500 a week right now, just a very small church, handful of people, uh, but they're spending $1,500 a week trying to get booklets and tracts out. Last year, they did over 2 million booklets, just as a small work, small church down there. I asked the pastor the other day, I said, Pastor, what would it take? Uh, to help you all continue to get more booklets out. He said one thing. He said mostly finances. And uh, they have ink, they have paper, and they can get good paper sources fairly cheap being in Mississippi. And so they just, just finances. Would you consider that? Consider the Blessed Hope Baptist Printing Ministry. That's at 88 Caney Church Road, C-A-N-E-Y Church Road, Lumberton, Mississippi, 39455. That's not a promotion. That's just the reality uh, that there's a printing ministry that could use some help. They put good stuff out. I use their tracks, use their booklets. We thank God for them. Chapter 10 of the book of Job, as we begin chapter 10, these are Job's last words until Zophar comes and speaks to him. And it's interesting because uh, what the first thing Zophar says is, shall a man be full of talk be justified? And yet he doesn't understand why Job is full of talk. And that's the way it is a lot of times, I think, with preachers. People say, well, they just talk and talk and talk. We had to endure an hour. We had to endure an hour and 15 minutes. Well, I know I myself have preached two hours on numerous occasions, not a lot of occasions, but there's churches you have limited to preach two hours. It's not uncommon for me to preach over an hour. And there's people sitting there saying, well, this is just words. This is just words. But there's also times when people sit there and hang on every word because the Spirit of God is working. The Spirit of God is moving. And uh, had Zophar been listening to what Job said, and had he seen beyond the calamity of Job, he would have seen why Job was using so many words. 
In verse 1, he says, my soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. Now, that sounds a lot like Messianic Psalms. That very statement sounds like so many places in the Psalms where he talks about his soul, and he talks about the bitterness, talks about the complaint, uh, all of those things. So again, we have to look at that. We have to wonder at that and say, is this Jesus Christ? Is this Job speaking by the Spirit of Christ, of the sufferings of Christ? Why is there bitterness in his soul? Well, we know even in the garden, when he asked that cup could, could leave him, but you nevertheless not my will, but thy will be done. We see Christ is looking to those sufferings. He understands what's going to take place. He knows that he's going to suffer as a malefactor. He's going to suffer as a sinner and yet without sin. God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He has bore the sins of many. It was a choice he made. He was willing to be sin for us. It goes on in verse 2, says, I will say unto God, do not condemn me. Show me wherefore thou contendest with me. And so that's what he's asking the Lord, request of the Lord, wherefore thou contendest with me. Why does God contend with him? Why does God run upon him? Why does God choke him? Because he's been made sin. He is sin. He says, it is good unto thee that thou shouldest oppress, that thou shouldest despise the work of thine hands and shine upon the counsel of the wicked. So he actually asked the Lord there. He said, is it good unto thee thou shouldest oppress, that thou shouldest despise the work of thine hands? What is the work of his hands? That he made man, he fashioned him out of the ground, fashioned him out of the dust of the earth, the clay, and, and made him in his own image. That's the work of God. That's what God has done. And shine upon the counsel of the wicked. Then he said, hast thou eyes of flesh? Or seest thou as man seeth? No, God does not. Why? Because God looks upon the inward. Man looks upon the outward. We know that. Men looked upon Jesus Christ at Calvary. All they saw was the outward. They saw the suffering. They saw a man wounded. They saw a man beaten. They saw a man scourged. They saw a man broken. He had no strength in himself. And they despised him. He was despised of the people because they could not see who he was. They could not see the inward. They could not see that this was the Son of God. And it's no different today. People are the same way today. They see that weak Savior. Most people have a very weak Savior, by the way. He's a lower case as because the lowercase savior and they have a very weak savior he's not able to deliver them from sin he's not able to deliver them from their addictions he's not able to deliver them from their perversions he's a very wimpy savior very weak savior in fact their savior is so weak that he couldn't descend into the very depths of hell and and get the keys of death and of hell and come out of hell and the flames not destroy him that's the Savior, of course, that I serve, but yet most people have a wimpy Savior. He couldn't do that. He doesn't have the ability to do that. You know, thy days is the days of man, or thy years is man's days. No, God's days are not numbered as man's. Verse 6, that thou inquirest after mine iniquity and searchest after my sin. Has God done that? Yes, he has. Why? He's looking at that iniquity. And again, if he said the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all, we have to put that in the perspective. And it's hard to focus. It's hard to even think that way. Every sin from Adam until this very moment I speak and the future sin of others was laid upon Jesus Christ. The iniquity of us all, every wrongdoing, every slight, every cursing, every reviling, every hatred, every covetousness, every mocking of God, everything done in this flesh, everything done in sin. And part of that's the reason why churches have become a social club today. They don't see the focus on sin. They don't see the focus on what Jesus Christ has done. There's a church near us that calls itself Anabaptist, 
and they called themselves a fellowship rather than a church because church is so offensive to people. And yet you look at the Anabaptists of old and what they are as Anabaptists. Yes, they wear homespun clothing. They wear very plain, simple clothing. Some of them drive buggies and horses. Uh, some of them do not have electricity in their homes, but they're kind of a hodgepodge of disgruntled Mennonites and German Baptists and disgruntled River Brother, and disgruntled former Amish and disgruntled people. And they have an idea of what they call a church, but yet it's not according to Scripture. In fact, one of the thrusts right on their webpage, it tells you uh, that the, the main focus of their church, the thrust of their church, is to provide fellowship amongst the brethren. And that's not what God has called us to do. He's called us into the fellowship of he and his dear son. And if you're in that fellowship, you're in the fellowship of the brethren. But the fellowship with him is far more important than the fellowship of the brethren. If I'm on a desert island by myself, I can still have fellowship with God and still be contented in that state I'm in. When Paul is shipwrecked and he's on the aisle there, and of course the heathens have come upon him, if you will, men of base are sort of there, and yet they showed him no small kindness. And amongst them, he had fellowship. Why? Because he had fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And that's what's lost today amongst churches. What's lost? They don't understand this matter. This is what Jesus Christ did. He came to take away your sin. That's why he bore your sin. He came to wash you from your sin. You don't have to bear your sin. You don't have to bear the guilt of sin, the burden of sin. And by the way, he goes on and says this in verse 7, Thou knowest that I am not wicked, and there is none that can deliver out of thine hand. Verse 7. Now, people say if that's Job right there, he's a hypocrite. Well, Job wasn't a wicked man. He was a perfect and upright man. But yet Jesus Christ in prophecy is being judged for sin. But he was not a wicked man. He was the son of God. He was pure. He was blameless. He was holy. He was the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. That's why he came. That's who he was. Yet he was judged for sin. Why? Be made sin. Bore our sins. It's so important to focus on that because his soul is going to be made an offering for sin. His soul is going to be offered that you and I don't have to die in our iniquity. We don't have to go to hell. We don't have to die a death of a sinner. We can be in Jesus Christ. That's why he died. That's why he came. Overthrow the works of the devil. How's he going to do that? By saving a sinner. The work of the devil is to try to destroy God's great creation, try to destroy man from off the earth and convince men that he's not only a figment of their imagination, but that God himself is a figment of their imagination. And it's bombarding us today. It's in every school. It's in every practice. It's in every workplace. You know, you're forbidden to talk about God most places. If you do talk about God, you're a weirdo and a nut and a quack. Why? Because they've been programmed that there is no God. They've bought it hook, line, and sinker. Yet we deal with people day in and day out. They're wounded by sin. Their marriages are destroyed by sin. Their families are destroyed by sin. If a man does finally marry a woman today, which is kind of peculiar and rare that a man marry a woman today, usually they live together or they date around or they have a you know open relationships. That's the common theme today. But even if they are married, the women are miserable. The men are miserable. She's had probably 50 partners. He's had 50 partners. They come together. They get married. There's jealousies and bitterness and strife. And she's not what a woman should be because society's told her not to be a lady and uh, not to fulfill her role in the family and in the home. And he comes home and he doesn't have supper and he doesn't have a clean house. He doesn't have clean clothes. And he's bitter. She's bitter. They're both angry. They're both just absolutely filled ravenly with angers and bitterness. And yet they stay together. Why? Because that's what they're told to do. They were taught to stay together. And many don't get divorced and they live perpetually in that state. Yet the one theme across the board is I don't need God. I got this figured out. 
And that's why Jesus Christ came and died, in case folks decide they do need to figure it out, in case they do need to figure out they're lost to state. They're lost without hope. They have no hope because they don't have Jesus Christ. That's why he died. That's why he came, to give them hope, to give them relief. Doesn't matter how vile you've been, he can make you clean. Doesn't matter how awful you've been, he can make you clean. He'll wash you from your sins in his own blood. Thank the Lord for the blessed name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on in verse 8, Thine hands have made me and fashioned me together round about, yet thou dost destroy me. And there's that word, destroy him. What does it mean to be destroyed? It means every bit of you has absolutely been put down to the ground. That's what destruction is. You look at a building that's been destroyed. How, how do you know the building's been destroyed? Then not only does the wrecking ball come, and then the dump trucks have taken away the debris, but then they go down the basement. And they dig up the pilings and they cut out the concrete and they smash it to pieces and they put dirt fill back in there and they put grass upon it. You cover, you know what? There's nothing left. That's what it means to utterly be destroyed. And what does that word destroy? The connotation there is what the word of God speaks of with God when he says you're supposed to fear him to get destroyed both body and soul in hell. That's the destruction God talks about, both body and soul. Those two things are going to be, why? Because that's what's destroyed on Jesus Christ. His body is destroyed on the cross of Calvary. He is dead. He dies a death. He bleeds his blood out of his body. He takes his last breath. He gives up the ghost. His soul is then offered for sin. The destruction of hell is destroyed in hell. He is destroyed, yet God in his mercy resurrects his son. God resurrects his son according to the scripture. Brings that soul and that body out of there. Brings that soul out of hell brings that body out of the grave with the soul, reunited with the spirit, glorified in his body. That's Jesus Christ. That's the paramount understanding of the gospel. That's why we preach. That's why we look at Job in the eyes of a prophet that folks would understand. That's what he's done. That's who he is. Thine hands have made me and fashioned me together round about. Yes, his hands made his son. We looked at his son and said, what hast thou made? Is he going to say that to the maker And Isaiah? No, he's not going to say that to the maker because he was made of a woman, made under the law, that we that which are under the law might receive the adoption of sons. That's why God made him. But yet thou dost destroy me. No doubt speaking by the spirit of Christ and by the foreknowledge of God, my righteous servant could see beyond what you and I see and know that he was going to be destroyed. Know he was going to be made an offering for sin. Know that fat was going to be cut out of that lamb. And that fat was going to be removed and burned upon the altar of the burnt offering. And knowing that, yet he gave himself to die. He offered himself on the cross of Calvary. Knowing he was going to be both body and soul destroyed. He gave himself to God to destroy him for his destruction. That's the tender mercies of God. That's the great thing that Job continually prophesies about throughout the book of Job is the offering of the soul of Jesus Christ. That's why last week we started the week in Jesus Christ. And by the way, throughout this podcast, you've probably been hearing somebody fussing in the background. It's okay. Just on babysitting duty. We're, we're real humans. We're real people. And we have real problems. Okay. So I'm on babysitting duty. That's just Matthias Joel. And uh, thank God he turns one years old. He's not real happy sitting here listening to Daddy preach the podcast, but that's all right. Me and him having a good time together. Amen. Thank the Lord for that. So anyway, uh, I don't know where we were. Have a great day. Have a great week. We'll see you tomorrow on the podcast, Lord willing. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. 
as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.